Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm Mike Teggy Masayoshi. And I am the Ult Shamo Dragon. Welcome to episode 213, J Crown Tournament. All or nothing. Gold, gold, gold. And then. Gold, gold. Gold. Go, go, go. Yeah. Yeah. All or nothing was the actual tagline. I mean, at least, you know. Uh, yeah, it was. I kind of forgot it was. I got <laughs> it. I got it. But, now. you know, it, make, it makes sense. It seems like very ancillary, but it's like, oh, no, it makes sense here. And you'll know why here in a moment. And I like the all or nothing over winner takes all. Yeah, for sure. So this was the only J Crown tournament ever held, and it would be produced by New Japan Pro Wrestling. It took place from August 2nd to August 5th, 1996, from the Goku Gugikan in Tokyo, Japan, with an attendance ranging between 10,500 to 11,000 people each of the four nights. Now, Solid. part of that was also helped that it was running concurrently with the G1 Climax. So this was like the undercard of the G1 matches. Yes. Yeah. But how, yeah, but how much of an undercard was it really? There's a title match every night. That's right. Every match. Yeah, every, match. every match is a title match in the J-Crown. Yeah, I was confused at first when I started watching because it mentioned something about G1. It's like, wait, is this the right show? And pull up the notes real quick yeah. and like, verify, okay, this is a starting mm-hmm. match. All right, I'm on the right thing. Yeah, it'll show the uh, like um, title cards on the VHS yeah. tape we watched. And the title cards, it says like G1, and then it'll be like a bunch of Japanese. It's like, oh, it's taking place. During G1, but yeah. it's like, well, we don't read kanji. I did love the graphics cards because they looked very Resident Evil, yeah. like PlayStation <laughs> 1 vibes. Very nice. They did. Indeed. So this tournament was an idea that came from Jushin Thunder Liger. Same as the Super J-Cups. The, the, the Junior King. And it was to unify the eight different Junior Heavyweight and Cruiserweight Championships from across Japan, Mexico, and the U.S. Jeez. I mean, why not? Exactly. And so you've probably seen photos out there of certain wrestlers like holding just a whole bunch of belts. Oh, yeah. That's probably a picture of them. We're looking at you, The Matt. J. Crow. Yeah. We're looking at you, Matt Cardona, with those belts no one's ever heard of. Took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> with all those it. belts no one's ever seen or I mean, heard of before. Okay, maybe not now. now <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. But back uh, then. He was, yeah, he was inspired. Exactly. Belt collector before there was such a thing. Yes. But we are in Japan. We are indeed. So Shane, did you do what you do? Well, you know, last week I uh, refused to do what I do. So this week, yes. Yes. I have once again done what I do. You'll do it for Japan. Yes. Especially this fucking show, because... Spoiler! It's fantastic. I heard you like wrestling. (laughs) Stick around. (laughs) 
Yeah, we are in Japan. We are uh, having this golden belt culmination tournament. We're all or nothing, baby. And I decided to go heavy on the plate because it is a tournament. We need a variety. We can't just have one thing, even though I stuck to kind of one similar hey. thing. But hey, you need, the, you need the protein, the carbohydrates. This is a rally, not a race. Yes, and rally we, we, we rally, shall, we shall, rally we did. I brought sushi. This time I went to a place I've never been, known as Inaka. It's my go-to around here. Yeah, yeah, Michael says it's his go-to. He's been there before. This was a, a first-timer for me. But in honor of the uh, possibly the one that I adored the most on the show, I went dragon crazy with it. Ooh. I, I named myself after him. I, I ordered... Rolls with dragon in the name. Anaka has several varieties of dragon rolls, I guess you could say, on their their uh, menu. I went with uh, a few different ones. Started off with the uh, fire dragon, which is uh, shrimp tempura and cream cheese and cucumber inside. And then on top, it has some seared spicy tuna and uh, some eel sauce. That one, I believe, was Matt's favorite. It was indeed. Crazy Dragon has uh, inside crab meat, tempura, and cucumber. And then outside, it has avocado, spicy crab meat, and eel sauce. That one was my personal favorite. And then lastly, we have the Dancing Dragon, which inside has spicy tuna, crab meat, and just crunchies. And then it's topped with mango, avocado, and wasabi sauce. Oh, that was the one that was like 50-50. Half yes. of it was mango, half of it was avocado. I yeah. Th- uh, uh, avocado. I think that might have been my favorite. But they were, all, they were all great. We each had which a is, different favorite. Which is, uh, I picked a winner for each of Something us. that we might feel at the end of the show. We might all have a different favorite. You know? <laughs> there yeah. is a possibility. Super There's, tasty. Uh, since it's, you know... Showtime, recording time. I've got a microphone in front of me. I may as well do what I do, or what I also do, which take, is take a bite on take, the mic. Take that soft bite. That soft maybe. sushi bite. Maybe. It just does maybe. not want to pick up. There we go. Oh. As I smack a different mic on the way over to my mic. Here we go. I'm One, mic. two, three. You can't hear it crunching, so I'll just talk with my mouth full so you can know that I actually have a bite. I feel like sushi should be the thing when movie theaters are like, oh, we'll serve you food. And it's like, we'll just serve something quiet and soft, like sushi, instead of, uh, you know, nachos and popcorn. But then you sit in a theater that smells like fish. Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> if, if they are serving food, they're probably pretty well ventilated and chilly. But the fish thing, yeah, I can see that. It's not cooked, though. In microwave. No. But yeah, but that super is tasty. Point. I'm going to definitely have to check out a Naka again. Very good choices on the on the rolls this week. Mm-hmm. Well, something that would happen right around the same time as the J Crown Tournament, Sublime's final album, Sublime, would be released containing the songs What I Got, Santeria, Wrong Way, and Doin' Time. And uh, Pawn Shop and August 29th. And, uh, I mean, this album I knew front to back. 
in middle school, this was like my favorite band for like six months. Uh, and nowadays, I have not listened to them as an adult in so long because I was so embarrassed that I liked it so much as a kid. Really? Yeah, because it's like corny. But nowadays, I can look back on it fondly because this is like perfect backyard barbecue music. Oh, definitely. This yeah. is backyard barbecue music. But as a kid, I was like, oh. And then now I'm like, oh, well, this is just... It was barbecue music then, but to me as like a middle schooler, I was like, oh, no, this is like... A th- yeah, it, a lot of people like this band and like have shunned it as they've gotten older and found it corny. They've found music that they've deemed more meaningful. But Sublime was always and will always be just a fun, like backyard band. And this was their chance to appeal to. The mainstream to the mainstream mm-hmm. but homeboy died like two weeks before it dropped yeah similarly another band that i loved a lot as a kid blind melon same thing happened homeboy dropped before they made an album that was maybe less commercial but a better album but he died like two weeks before it came out they made it to two albums sublime made it to three but this was going to be their major label release. Yep, and it did end up having music videos. There's a music video for Santeria. Mm-hmm. I believe there's one for what, it, what I got. There's countless bootlegs, and I had them all, official bootlegs, uh, bootleg DVDs. I was really into it. And in turn, it's come back around, whereas an adult, I've gotten into, like, Trojan record, like, old-school ska, where it's, Sounds like crap, and it was recorded in a dirt room. And then the slight British counterpart to that, but like Spine was pulling from all of that. And if you listen to those bootlegs, they were covering these songs, but you heard it from them first. I mean, they even cover, do a great cover of a Grateful Dead song on an earlier album, uh, which is really interesting. And then here, of course, they do Summertime, which they. You know, I believe they call it doing time. It's doing time on yeah. this one, yeah. Yeah, it's a loose cover of Gershwin's "Summertime." Yeah, but a good one nonetheless. And some of the first, like some bass lines that I still remember how to play from learning them as a kid because they are incredible, catchy. You know, I, I guess I never lines. really realized how much they like used samples and stuff. On oh yeah, especially the first. The first two albums are full of samples, like. The second album, Robin the Hood, has so many samples and is so bizarre that it almost feels like you don't really get full songs. It almost feels like a mixtape before there was mixtapes. And this album is definitely maybe the most straightforward. Maybe I didn't realize that Doing Time was also a summertime because what I got, I just know the... The little bit of summertime in that one. So. Yeah, I think it's called "Doing Time Reprise" on the record. Maybe hmm. I was like I said at one point I was obsessed, but it's been quite a while. No, it's just oh, do, yeah. "Doing Time." It was originally supposed to be the second song uh, on the album, but they didn't get the rights to "Summertime" until like late in the recording session. Ah, uh, that's interesting. And by that time, they had already like arranged what the album was going to look like. Yeah. At that hmm. point, I mean, yeah, there's uh there's some good stuff in here, but this is also like a. All of their albums are very. They're not like. There's just. It takes you through a range of things, which makes it great, where it almost feels like 
what if like one band started a radio station but they recorded all the songs for it <laughs> you know it's like it just kind of moves, mm-hmm. moves around and I should dive back in it's been a long time and I'd like to see what I thought as an adult but at one point I would have poo-pooed all over and like embarrassed but you know don't be embarrassed about the things I'm you like surprised like because I know these songs yeah like it comes on the radio and I'm like you know, singing along completely, but I never really got into Sublime when they when it first came out. I didn't either. I mean, the guy was dead by the time I had those records, but it was one of those things where your friends had her, you passed it around, and blah blah blah. But I had all of it. I had the bootlegs and the crummy half-made documentaries and the recordings <laughs> that were just like Homeboy on an acoustic guitar, or like legitimately like a restaurant patio, yeah. like. There was yeah. uh, there's the a lot concert videos of yep. Sublime and No Doubt. I had those too. I mean, yeah, uh, <laughs> Seeing Red is on the second album, and it's uh, Gwen Stefani singing vocals on it. Mm-hmm. Years before, you know, it dropped, but it is good time barbecue music. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and uh, the third album it's is good definitely weed music. Yeah, the third album is definitely the most palatable for most people. Yeah, because the other two are. Honestly, more experimental than than I would have than I like yeah than I probably realized at the time because I was just so into it. Interesting. And they made plenty of money since then. <laughs> they have toured with Sublime in Rome, I believe. It's just some guy that sounds like Bradley Knoll, and <laughs> uh, you know, if you can make the money, make the money. You were lucky enough to have that big of an influence. I mean. As much as people love 311, I feel like Sublime has continued to have that kind of same love with only like three albums. Yeah. And they're very different bands, even though they kind of have like the weed smoke, like reggae, hip hop influence. Yep. They're I still mean, very different bands. They came up at a same or a, a similar time frame. Yeah, but yeah, 311 came from Omaha. The other one came from Long Beach. Yep. Of course, the guy from Long Beach did heroin. <laughs> yeah, it makes me wonder. If uh, Omaha ever dabbled with any of the Nebraska favorites, the Cranks yeah. and the Meths and what I said, the Cranks and the Meths. Oh, the Cranks and the Meths. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, I, it is crazy that Three Eleven's from Omaha. Isn't Omaha, it? so weird. Much like you know, Sting and Ted DiBiase. And... <laughs> Bring it back to wrestling. <laughs> Yeah, it is funny when it's like, oh, bands are from like New York or California, right? And that's not always true. Some of them are, you know, Tulsa, Oklahoma even. Who's from Tulsa? Hanson, baby. Oh, I thought we were talking about good bands. (laughs) I'm just talking about bands. In general, yeah. The Gap Band's from Tulsa. I mean, the Gap Band fucking rules. Shout out Charlie Wilson. Weird Al. He's not not from there, but he he spent some time there. Yeah. I shot that movie there. But it is what here I guess we just have like the Gap Band and the Flaming Lips. All American Rejects. Uh yeah. Color Me Bad. It's Call Me Bad from Oklahoma. Color Me Bad's from Oklahoma um, City. Ryan from The Your Sex is on Fire band? No, he, the drummer's just a big OU fan. Oh. <clears throat> They're not actually from Oklahoma. Oh. That's actually surprising. Shout out John Moreland. <laughs> One Republic? One Republic, yeah. thank you. Uh, I don't know 
Compact. Yeah. It's Jinx. Yeah, Ryan, the lead singer from One Republic, is from just north of Edmond. Oh. I'm going to shout out my friends in the best local band, maybe of all time, uh, Chat Pile, who has made quite the quite the wave in uh, underground rock music in the last couple of years. They've been asked out to so other countries to play tours. I and, who they are. Yeah, I mean. Have you ever heard of Groucho? Marks? No. Like a local band? No, I have not. Check it out. Yeah, Groucho's a decent name. Mm-hmm. Chat pile. If you want to uh, cry or shit your pants, it's a good time. Ooh, Matt's got a big old bottle of wasabi. Ooh, <laughs> I don't know if those are those two things I ever really want mm-hmm. to do. I like it when music's uh, scary. As he opens up his pad that says "murder" on the front of it. Uh, that was just an ad. <laughs> I don't have Apple money. This is you know, this is just an Amazon pad. Well, let's talk some junior heavyweights. Yeah, absolutely. So Jushin Thunder Liger is on the mic inside the ring with all of our other wrestlers. And they all lay down their titles, signifying the belts are on the line. Liger said, um, this might be paraphrasing, what do you got? Mm -hmm. Who's the best? Are you good enough to lay your title on the line? And let's find out. Yeah, this is my tournament. I'm throwing mine in. Mm -hmm. You guys with me? We then get highlights of each of the wrestlers individually before the logo screen, followed by highlights of some of the action that we're going to see. Yeah, we got like a, you know... A little teaser. Post-video package. But we go straight to our first match. Masayoshi Motegi, the NWA World Junior Heavyweight Champion, versus the Great Suzaki, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, in the quarterfinals. Of the J Crown tournament. So, but do they have more matches before this? No. Or is it just, yeah, okay. Just making sure. But when you say finals, I'm like, well. I mean, I could say the first round. Yeah, yeah, yeah first, first round, bracket. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. But the quarterfinals sound good because yeah. it's mm-hmm. technically what it is. It is, yeah. It's going quick. There's four matches. They're all champions. They should all be in some sort of a final. That's right. Absolutely. So, the last time we saw Motegi was at Super J Cup second stage, episode 175. And Great Sasaki at Battle 7, episode 140. I mean, it's usually a few episodes between times oh, of the yeah, Japanese absolutely. shows. I remembered seeing Sasaki, but... So, I mean, second stage, one of my favorite shows. I love that show. Yeah, Motegi was uh, one of the guys we didn't talk about that much. Gotcha. So the match gets going with Masayoshi charging in with a drop kick to Sasaki as the bell rings, sending him out to the floor with Motegi flying over the ropes with a plancha onto the great Suzaki. Masayoshi starts to work the leg in and out of the ring until Suzaki is able to escape to the floor to regroup. Back in, the two trade strikes, but Motegi chokes the great Suzaki across the ropes to regain the advantage. We get a Sasuke chant, as obviously our New Japan champion is going to get a little more love. A little bit. In Japan. Motegi then locks on a figure four, which Suzaki rolls over to make the ropes. But Masayoshi rolls it back over with the two falling out to the floor, where the ref finally has to help them break the hold. Back in the ring, the two trade holds with the great Suzaki working the arm, and Motegi continuing on the legs until the ropes are made for the break. So these guys, they're really going for it. I mean, you know, you got to start on the mat. 
You can't just break your leg in the first match. The two run the ropes when Suzaki goes for a hip toss, only for Masayoshi to counter into a short arm clothesline for a two count. Otegi goes into a single leg crab, followed by ramming the leg across the ring post. Posted. Grabbing a chair and slamming it across the leg as well. Masayoshi then hits a Uranagi and another single leg crab before transitioning into an STF, forcing the great Sasaki to reach the ropes. I mean, you know, he's working that knee. Sasaki got, got hops. Sasaki begins to fire up with strikes, including a spinning heel kick for a near fall. He goes for a second one, only for Mategi to duck and start to run the ropes. But the great Sasaki comes right back with a handspring back elbow that sends Masayoshi out to the floor. Sasaki then flies over the ropes with a tope konhio before both make it back in the ring where great Sasaki hits a springboard moonsault for a two count. Sasaki goes to pick up Motegi only for it to be reversed into a back body drop and a drop kick that sends great Sasaki out to the floor where Masayoshi follows out with a tope suicida. Motegi then brings Sasaki in the hard way. Follows it up with a trio of German suplexes. Oof. Bridging on the last. All for a two count. Masayoshi continues the attack with a gut wrench powerbomb for a two count. He then sets the great Suzaki on the top turnbuckle for a super gut wrench suplex. But Suzaki reverses it in midair to land on top for a near fall. Great Suzaki then hits a bridging German for a two count. Followed by a bridging tiger suplex for the pin and And the win. And new! Oh, we're doing this gimmick. (laughs) It's true. If you look at the lineage of every single belt, it's true. It changes. It's true. It is new. Like as we as this show progresses, guys come into the ring with two belts and leave the ring with four belts, belts, three belts, multiples. Yep. Very funny. The quickness and fury of getting that northern lights back on i mean these guys are moving so basically after each match the guys end up showing respect for each other and then between each match we get interviews in the back obviously in japan so we don't understand what they're saying i got a problem in my nose we might not reference it but there's a couple guys where they're obviously so disappointed they just like walk past the cameras but you know they're obviously the ones that lose for the most part people do some kind of promo i love the great sasuke gave the majority of control of the match to motegi but he beat him with the quickness yep we then go to our second match ultimo dragon the War International Junior Heavyweight Champion versus Jushin Thunder Liger, the British Commonwealth Junior Heavyweight Champion. I mean, he can't be the IWGP because that's great Sasuke. So he's going to be the, the BCJHC. Correct. Yeah. I wonder who he got that off of. <laughs> Don't look it up. I'm just <laughs> saying it out loud. I have no Dave problem. Taylor. <laughs> sounds, sounds good. In the quarterfinals of the J-Crown Tournament. The last time we saw Ultimo Dragon was Super J-Cup Second Stage, Episode 175. And the two men lock up with no one gaining an advantage. 
until Jushin wrenches the arm, only for Dragon to use an athletic reversal to escape and hit a dropkick, sending Liger to the floor where Ultimo flies out with a tope suicida. Lovely. Dragon goes up to the top turnbuckle to fly out with a somersault senton as well, before they head back into the ring, where Ultimo tries for a handspring back elbow, only for Jushin to catch him and throw him with a release German suplex. I mean, he's been on so many shows with Mudo that, like, he sees it coming. Yep. Kapoo kick from Liger for a two count, followed by chops, and he goes for a whip across the ring. But Dragon reverses and trips up Jushin, before taking him over into a La Magistral cradle for a near fall. Liger then charges in with Shote, only for Ultimo to duck and trip up Jushin once more. Goes for the La Magistral again, but Liger blocks to be on top for a two count, before Dragon pulls him over for the crucifix pin and the win. And new! I mean... Fast and gnarly. I and, love that. And match. did you see the pin coming that quick? Nope. nope. Exactly. No. This whole match. That's kind of what Liger is into. Yeah. This this whole match was just a non-stop, quick, fast, edge of your seat. What the hell? What? Oh yeah. shit! It's over. I mean, yeah. And it's like, well, Liger's like British Commonwealth, British Commonwealth title. Yeah. There's a reason he doesn't have the IWGP title going into this match. I mean. Liger looked great and all, but Dragon, he, yeah, he, he, he won me over in a quickness. He's got the sauce. So we go to our third match, Negro Crossus, the NWA World Welterweight Champion, versus Shinjiro Otani, the UWA World Junior Light Heavyweight Champion. I'm very excited as we've enjoyed Crossus, but we've seen a lot of Otani, and we love Otani. And another quarterfinal of the J-Cup Crown Tournament. Last time we saw Casas was at Super J-Cup First Stage, Episode 114. And the two men take it to the mat to begin, with each working headlocks, hammerlocks, bow and arrows, cross arm breakers, single leg crabs, and chin locks, with no one gaining an advantage. And I'd like to point out that these guys do mat wrestling where it looks so much more realistic no one's getting like clean like transitions they're working the how difficult it is to get the hold these bow and arrows are not the bow and arrow you see in your head they are like modified it is truly a competition they make it to their feet where they trade chops until shinjiro blocks a suplex and delivers a pair of body slams on casas Otani then goes for a somersault senton, only for Negro to move, allowing him to hit a double underhook suplex. He starts to run the ropes when he sees Sinjiro getting up, so Casa springboards off the ropes with a head scissors, but Otani comes right back with a spinning heel kick. I mean, come on, guys. Shinjiro delivers a sit-out powerbomb for a two-count, but he then has his whip reversed, only for Otani to leap over the ropes to the apron where he springboards back in with a dropkick that Negro just walks away from, sending Sinjiro hard down to the mat. Joe, Joe, Joe. I mean, that was the Samoa Joe spot much earlier, obviously. Casa starts nailing some vicious kicks, chokes, and chops before hitting a spine buster, then going for a La Madrigal for a near fall. 
Negro then heads up top to deliver a senton for a two count. He goes up again, only for Otani to drop kick him off the ropes to the floor before following out with a springboard plancha. And I love that as soon as he does the uh, La Magistral, like the crowd pops because they just saw a match that was won that way and like they're feeding these things throughout the matches that like, you know, creating a precedent. It's very nice. Shinjiro runs Casas into the guardrail before returning to the ring, only for Negro to deliver a springboard dropkick and a leg drop for a near fall on his way back in. Casas then drops Otani across the top rope, causing him to land on the apron, before nailing a dropkick to send Shinjiro out to the floor. Negro then follows out with a tope suicida into the guardrail, a body slam onto the concrete, then leaping off the apron with another senton. Those apron leap sentons, so sick. It's like, what do you do? How do you not lose, get the air knocked out of you? <laughs> it just lands on your chest like that. Casas has made it back in, tries to bring Otani in the hard way, but it's blocked. So Negro then tries to run Shinjiro head first into a turnbuckle, only for that to be blocked and reversed. Otani would then leap into the ring with a springboard dropkick, run to the apron to nail a second one, before hitting a springboard spinning heel kick for the pin and And the win. And no! Tony takes the time to help uh, Negrocasas up. Respect, man. As as Ultimo Dragon looks on. And now Otani has two belts. So we go to our fourth match. Gran Hamada, the WWA World Junior Light Heavyweight Champion, versus El Samurai, the WWF Light Heavyweight Champion, in the quarterfinals. Of the J Crown Tournament. Yeah. Did you see that wing belt? Uh, yeah, I immediately had to hit. I immediately had to hit pause and then jump on Google. Like, WWF had a light heavyweight championship belt in 1996, and and El Samurai was the one who had it. What the fuck? Yeah, and it looks like the it looks like the (laughs) Winged Eagle. It's like a you know the lightweight version of the Winged Eagle, kind of like the IWGP belt looks like. Well, it looks like the good, the the version four IWGB belt, which is a shame that we still don't have that. But the lightweight belt still looks like that. But it's like, oh, this is the smaller version of the winged eagle. It's like silver instead of gold. Yep. Uh, you know, it's a little less flair, but it still looked real clean. Nah, I was totally blown away, though. That... Yeah. So the championship was... Created in like the early 80s. 1981. When, when WWF and the UWA had a partnership. And over time, actually mid-95 or so, it actually ended up moving to Michinoku Pro. Oh. And so that's where, that's how Al Samurai got it. it was So the WWF just didn't care about it. And we're like, oh, because basically, that. like, this title gets vacated and eliminated before they do a tournament to name their new light heavyweight champion in late in late 97 okay and so like and the the lineage isn't the same at all (laughs) yeah they just they let this one they just they they have a common connection somewhat yeah 
they kind of were just like, you just do whatever you want with that because you're not going to come over and use it on our TV. As long as you're not do, using it in the yeah. U.S., do whatever you want with it. Pretty much. But the last time we saw El Samurai, Super Jacob, second stage, episode 175. And these two men go back and forth to begin with each utilizing various arm, leg, and headlocks until Hamada hits a lariat and some vicious forearms for a two count. Grand Hamada then goes for a cross arm breaker, only for Samurai to make the ropes, allowing them to get to their feet, where El Samurai nails a pile driver for a near fall. Samurai with several elbows to the head, but Hamada fires back with headbutts, followed by a reversed whip to the ropes, allowing El Samurai to deliver a vertical suplex. Samurai then goes for a powerbomb, only for Grand Hamada to counter it into a Hurakarana for a two count. And a clothesline that sends El Samurai out to the floor. Hamada then leaps off the top rope with a crossbody out onto Samurai before they return to the ring. And Grand Hamada keeps up the punishment with more lariats, only to have his whip reversed, sending him to a corner. But Hamada catches the charging El Samurai with a big boot, allowing Grand Hamada to deliver a tornado DDT for a near fall. And Hamada goes up to the second rope, and he leaps off again to hit another Tornado DDT. Yeesh. Followed by a back suplex for a near fall. Grand Hamada sets Samurai on the top rope, but El Samurai fights back to nail a super atomic drop, allowing him to fire up with a clothesline. Samurai tries for another, but he's caught and driven down with a Uranagi by Hamada before transitioning into a cross-arm breaker. But El Samurai's feet are in the ropes. Samurai then ducks a clothesline and drops Grand Hamada with a reverse DDT and a powerbomb for a two-count, before delivering a tombstone and a diving headbutt from the top rope for a near fall. And that's the spot where I'm like, you hit the tombstone, pin him, and he went to the top, and I'm like, you could have had him. And that's the reason you do that. It's like, I gotta put him away for good. And it's like, you took too much time. El Samurai then sets Hamada on the ropes, where he's looking for a splash mountain bomb. But Grand Hamada fights back momentarily, so Samurai instead nails a super back suplex before another powerbomb for the pin and And the win. win. And new! More respect shown. More interviews. Yeah. There's a, there's a bit of a theme here with everybody being pretty, pretty great. I mean, you know, we would all assume, oh, well, El Samurai will win. But you never know. We know who won second stage or whatever. Not who anybody would have guessed. I don't remember. It was Kato. Okay. Kato didn't win. He just made it to the finals. Oh, yeah. He did make it to the finals. Yeah. That's kind of like, I mean, Hamada. I mean, is that's better. a that's a win for him. <laughs> it's a win for him. Yeah, absolutely. It felt like he won because it kind of felt like he shouldn't have been there. So we go to our fifth match, Ultimo Dragon, who's now the War International Junior Heavyweight Champion and the British Commonwealth Junior Heavyweight Champion, versus Shinjiro Otani, the UWA World Junior Light Heavyweight Champion and the NWA World Welterweight Champion. His Ultimo Dragon song slaps. I mean, I just gotta know. They have a World Junior Light Heavyweight Championship. 
or champion, was there a world senior light heavyweight champion? No. Okay. <laughs> when they say junior, they just mean basically your cruiserweights. Yeah. Is what yeah. they mean. Just because they had them both in there, I was like, all right, I just I got to make sure. I know. I thought junior and putting junior and light heavyweight in some of these belts was kind of like redundant, but yeah, yeah. junior light heavyweight, and it's like uh, maybe it's the translation. Who knows? Senior heavyweight, heavyweight. <laughs> Junior light cruiser heavyweight championship. <laughs> He's just a little guy. Little <laughs> arms, little legs. So a feeling out process to start when Ultima would trip up Otani and go for the La Magistrale. But Shinjiro escapes quickly before nailing a drop kick to Dragon. I mean, the crowd is... There's big, big chatter. I mean, it's Ultima, Dragon, and Otani. Mm-hmm. Otani would have his whip reversed, allowing Ultima to trip him up once more and pull him over for a La Magistrale. Only for Sinjiro to escape quickly again. Before shaking his finger at Dragon. Like, no, no, you're no. Not, you're not Give getting me. me. Time. You ain't getting me. The two men trade submission holds, such as head scissors, camel clutches, guillotine chokes, cross arm breakers, heel hooks, until Ultimo nails several kicks and an elbow drop for a two count. Dragon locks in a single leg crab before transitioning it into a muda lock momentarily. And they make it back to their feet, where Otani blocks a suplex with a knee to the dragon scales, before delivering a drop kick, a body slam, and a running somersault senton for a near fall. Oof. You guys notice all the single leg crab love mm-hmm. tonight? <laughs> it was the hold in Japan that they were teaching. I mean, they still basically teach the single leg crab now. Yeah, so. yeah, for sure. But it's just, yeah, funny to see it used... So much in like a title match. Well, yeah, I mean title matches. Heavyweights to do, do, do the full. They get, they get two legs. Yeah. Shinjiro goes back to the submission game, working the neck and arm of Ultimo until the ropes are reached to break the hold. Otani keeps on the arm, bending it every way but the right one, until Dragon is able to reverse it into a cross arm breaker of his own, causing Shinjiro to grab the ropes for a break. Ultimo's chopping away, and he tosses Otani to a corner, only for him to float over to the apron. So Dragon charges in and springboard drop kicks Shinjiro out to the floor. I mean, come on, guys. He then follows out through the ropes with a baseball slide kick, skinning the cat back into the ring before leaping out with a slingshot plancha that Otani just walks away from, causing Ultimo to crash to the floor. Another callback from a recent match. Joe, Joe, Joe. Oh, I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, you know, they'll, they'll walk away from... Yeah, from did it earlier. Yeah, 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 it's like, they just like, the callbacks throughout the matches that don't involve all of the same guys, or a guy like, saw the match and like, did it. That's like why the crowd popped so big on the La Magistrale, and Otani, you know, he is quick to pull his arm out, stand up, and shake his finger like Sonic the Hedgehog. He's a Sega guy. <laughs> Shinjiro takes advantage with a snap <laughs> suplex on the concrete, followed by a running somersault senton off the apron, before returning them back to the ring to nail a springboard spinning heel kick for a two count. Otani then delivers a bridging dragon suplex for the pin, and no, dragon kicks out, with Shinjiro not believing it. Look at that face. He was just like, what? Nobody ever kicks out of 
Otani then goes to the apron to leap in with a springboard missile dropkick, only for Ultimo to avoid and roll up Sanjiro with the Law Magistral for the pin, and no, Otani kicks out. Dragon hits a tombstone pile driver Oof. and a top rope moonsault. Ah, the crowd is crazy. For a near fall, followed by a hurricanrana that Shinjiro rolls through to land on top for a two count. Shit. Otani goes for a back body drop, only for Ultimo to float over and nail a bridging dragon suplex for a near fall. Ultimo continues with a springboard moonsault for a two count before going for another Rana. Only for Shinjiro to counter it into a powerbomb. He then heads up top to hit a springboard dropkick. Followed by another bridging dragon suplex. For the pin. And no! Ultimo kicks out! You know what happened was after that powerbomb, he takes a second to celebrate. That's all it takes. all it takes. Yep. Dragon is then placed on the top turnbuckle. Where the two fight over control. With Otani being knocked down several times only to quickly make his way back up to continue the fight. Yeah, he just wouldn't stay down. (laughs) The man won't stay down. When Ultimo would ultimately deliver a super reverse suplex, Dragon would then pick up Shinjiro for a running Liger Bomb for the pin and And the win. And new! Love it. I mean, best match of the night so far? Ah, the lagger one, yeah, it was quick and, and whatnot, but, but yeah, it's I mean, this still is, so much fun. Yeah, it's great. It's great <laughs> because it's so surprising, but like, you know, this here, they're really doing it. They're oh, pulling yeah. from all the matches this one's, that This one's a, a banger, but I don't that, know. that other one, it's just, it's just like the, on the, constant the, repeat in my head because it's because so, so fast. Yeah, it's like a gift. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, damn. I think this one's my favorite so far. Then go to our sixth match. The great Suzaki, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight and NWA World Junior Heavyweight Champion, versus El Samurai, the WWF Light Heavyweight and WWA World Junior Light Heavyweight Champion, in the semifinals of the J Crown Tournament. And Samurai gains the upper hand early on with some elbows, a drop kick, and a tope suicida. But once great Suzaki returns to the ring, El Samurai immediately nails a pile driver for a two count before the two men start trading holds, such as chin locks, hammer locks, and arm breakers. Back to their feet, they start running the ropes with Samurai hip tossing Suzaki before nailing a drop kick to his knee. I love a drop kick to the knee, and this is a great looking one. El Samurai then starts focusing on that knee with a single leg crab and slamming it hard against the mat. You've been building up that crab. Until the great Suzaki can escape out to the floor to regroup. Back in the ring, Samurai places Suzaki in a tree of woe, stretching the knee across the ropes and working it over with strikes before going back to the crab, forcing great Suzaki to make the ropes. El Samurai continues the attack before trying for a powerbomb, only for Suzaki to reverse it into a back body drop and locking on a cross arm breaker, which Samurai counters right back into a leg lock. Back to their feet, great Suzaki ducks a clothesline and he comes back with a spinning heel kick, only for El Samurai to duck, so Suzaki bounces off the ropes with a handspring crossbody for a near fall. I mean, what a spot. 
He ducks, but the other guy's got something in his pocket. He's a Swiss Army wrestler. The great Suzaki goes to leap to the top turnbuckle, but his knee is hurting, so he doesn't make all the way up. Giving Samurai time to recover and meet him there, bringing Suzaki down with a Super Frankensteiner for a two count. And they start running the ropes, with El Samurai going under a leapfrog, but then turns to deliver a bridging German suplex for a near fall, followed by a back suplex. Now Great Suzaki catches a charging Samurai with a spinning heel kick, knocking him out to the floor, before following out with an Asiai moonsault. That ends up landing him in the front row. Right into the steel, baby. Suzaki continues by throwing El Samurai into a guardrail before coming off that top turnbuckle with a missile dropkick. Now back in the ring, Great Suzaki goes for a springboard moonsault that Samurai just sidesteps, allowing him to hit multiple reverse DDTs before coming off the top with a diving headbutt only for Suzaki to avoid. I mean... Does this show have the best callbacks? Because the callbacks are from match to match with different people. Mm -hmm. So it's like, oh, they're all watching the tape. It proves how much this means to them because they're watching all the matches they're not involved in and like scouting the talent. And I mean, yeah, it's not it's, just a one night tournament. Yeah, and it's not, and it's an incredible. It's the hold eight belts yeah it's an incredible concept because you'll see that in matches between guys guys mm -hmm. have trilogies they have feuds throughout years yeah. blah 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 but here it's like a couple of nights but everybody's there and the fact that the callbacks are it's really nice yeah it's really impressive especially collected here in you know one two-hour video the thought that has gone into all of it you know it not only is it beautiful storytelling, but it like ties each individual wrestling style together in some form. Just yeah, because people got... are doing things that they don't normally do, or pulling from somebody else, or recognizing that that move, how dangerous that move was to somebody that fell before them. Yep, it doesn't cater to somebody that's not paying attention. Hmm. It's not jamming anything down your throat. You're either here for it or you're not. It's really nice. Great Suzaki goes for a vertical suplex, only for El Samurai to float over to nail another reverse DDT and a powerbomb for the pin, and no, Suzaki kicks out. Samurai heads up top, only for Great Suzaki to drop kick his legs out from under him, allowing Suzaki to climb up to deliver a superplex for a near fall. Great Suzaki goes to the top, and he leaps off with a senton, but Samurai moves, only for Suzaki to recover to hit a Hurricanrana, which El Samurai then rolls through to get a two count. Oh my gosh, it's hot. Great Suzaki goes for a bridging German suplex, but he loses his grip on the bridge, so he follows it up with a powerbomb for the pin and, and the, the win. win. And, and new! And it wasn't even a powerbomb. It was a jackknife powerbomb. You all know what that looks like. Mm. Bam. Stack him up. What a hot closing stretch. Absolutely. Like these guys, the, yeah. I mean, that's maybe the thing that New Japan has had the biggest influence in recent years is the closing stretch, like reversal, who's going to get the pin, 
thing, and you see it as far back as right here. And this was yeah. done just as well as stuff we see yesterday, tomorrow, five years ago. And it means more here because truly nobody knows who's going to win, but they probably didn't think Negra Casas was going to win, and he didn't. <laughs> so we go to our seventh match. Ultimo Dragon, who's now the war international junior heavyweight, British Commonwealth junior heavyweight, NWA World Welterweight, and the UWA World Junior Light Heavyweight champion, versus Great Sasaki, the IWGP junior heavyweight, the NWA World Junior Heavyweight, the WWA World Junior Light Heavyweight, and the <laughs> WWF Light Heavyweight champion. With Tiger Mask... Mm, he's got a second. In the finals of the J-Crown tournament. And can I point out that these guys, they have all these belts now. So they have girls that come out holding all of the belts. Yeah. And it is so fun and so big. Just, you know, it, it gives it a like big fight feel. Yep. You know, these girls aren't coming out with like the... <laughs> number card for the round they're coming out with belts yeah not holding flowers no so another feeling out process early on between the two gentlemen when they take it to the mat to try and apply holds only for each to escape quickly followed by ultimo hitting a suplex for a two count and i'll say sasuke is getting the bigger response from the crowd I mean, he is the IWGP yeah, champion. He's the guy. He's, he's the, the home. He's fave. the home guy. I just wanted to let everybody know because you know these guys are both held in great esteem now, and they were then. But like, who's the hometown favorite? Because like, you know, Saito was a big favorite. Liger was a big favorite, and here's Sasuke and Dragon. More holds shared between the two men, including both men applying a leg lock at the same time. Now back to their feet, they run the ropes into an athletic sequence full of leapfrogs, leg sweeps, and arm drags that brings quite an applause from the crowd. I mean, real recognize real? Ultimo with a dragon screw leg whip. He then goes into a single leg crab before transitioning it into an Indian deathlock. But Great Sasaki makes the ropes. They then trade ab stretches until Ultimo hip tosses Sasaki before nailing a leg drop for a near fall. And Dragon continues to wear down Great Sasaki until he telegraphs a back body drop. Don't do it! Allowing Great Sasaki to leap over him for a sunset flip for a two count. Now Sasaki puts on some interesting holds when they begin to run the ropes, only for both men to hit clotheslines and spinning heel kicks on each other at the same time. I know every time I watch it, I'm like, when I take notes, I'm like, Larry, not clothesline, we're in Japan. But it's hard not to say clothesline. <laughs> Ultimo is to his feet first and delivers an ACI moonsault for a near fall. He goes for a tilt-a-whirl backbreaker, but Great Sasaki escapes and tries for an ACI moonsault of his own. But it's been spotted. Only for Dragon to hit a drop kick in midair, <sighs> causing Sasaki to roll out to the floor. What a moment. I love it when somebody's midair and catches a boot to the face. <laughs> Ultimo fake flies out of the ring, but then does it anyway with a tope suicida. <laughs> followed by an Asiai moonsault, which lands Dragon in that front row again, stretching the great Sasaki across the guardrail. 
Back in the ring, Ultimo with a brain buster for a two count. A sit-out powerbomb for a near fall. Oof. Hits a body slam before heading to the top. Only for Suzuki to meet him there to nail a dropkick, which sends Dragon out to the floor, where Great Suzuki nails an Asiai moonsault onto Ultimo, but also takes himself into the front row. I love that, yeah, it's like, holy, Ultimo Dragon got caught because he was selling that leg. They make it back into the ring where Suzuki keeps up the attack with a snap suplex, and he heads up top for a moonsault, only for Dragon to move in time. And they run the ropes, with Ultimo flipping over Great Suzuki into a bridging Dragon suplex for a two count. Ultimo would then set Great Suzuki up on a turnbuckle, and he climbs up to hit a super Frankensteiner for a near fall. We get a spinning heel kick from Dragon, and he sends Suzuki out to the apron, where Ultimo joins him to try for a powerbomb, but Great Suzuki wiggles free to land back into the ring. And Suzuki just climbs back out to the apron and nails a spinning heel kick that sends Dragon down to the floor. And Great Suzuki then climbs to the top turnbuckle, and he comes off with a somersault plancha. But he slips, so he doesn't jump out far enough for Ultimo to catch him, so he hits his head on the concrete. And if you listen closely, you can hear the thunk. Yeah, Yeah, uh, it shows how much Dragon was there to try to save him. It could have been worse. Yeah. But, like, he really does, like, on the, uh, they do the... You know, this is a show that's we watched it on VHS. So they have some slow mo replays that they mm-hmm. put in, and in this one, it's like, oh, yeesh! They show it again, but if you're looking, you can see him try to do his best yeah. to save the man, but you can only do so much. They make it back inside the ring just in time, where Great Suzuki body slams Dragon before heading up top for a moonsault. Only for Ultimo to avoid and roll up Suzaki with a La Magistrale for oh, the shit, pin. Oh shit, oh shit, oh and shit. no, great Suzaki kicks out. Guys, remember how big that pop was? That crowd yeah. was living and dying on that near fall. Dragon then goes for a powerbomb. Only for Suzaki to counter it into a Hurricanrana for the pin and, and the win. win. And no! Post-match, Tiger Mask and another gentleman, I wasn't sure exactly who it was, they come into the ring and they lift Great Suzaki onto their shoulders for a victory lap around the ring. And our competitors shake hands, followed by all the lovely ladies coming into the ring with the belts. And Suzaki is handed a trophy and each of the belts one by one before yeah. wrapping them all over his torso and arms for that famous picture pose with the girls we get one more celebratory moment with the crowd holding the trophy up before he heads to the back where he gets interviewed before we fade to black he looks very serious he looks very he looks like he's fucked up because his head hit the Um, concrete he's he's head hit the concrete for sure and I will say the pin in the last match looks about as close to a kick at three. It was very it's like much a kick at three. At three, but it's like, well, was at three? Someone's got to win. Is he saving himself, or was that the angle that they tell him you are going to lose? But 
it's okay this way. Or was it supposed to still keep going and they decided to call an audible and end it there because old Sasuke had just had a head slam on the concrete? Yeah. Because, yeah, that that pin just kind of came out of nowhere. I wasn't expecting especially on Hurricane Rana, after all the other shit that they had been doing, that that was going to be what did it. But, I mean, we've also seen it where, you know, Savage and, and Steamboat end on a... A small package. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, where it's well, just yeah. one of those that, how I mean, are we going to end it? Let's it, just do it like this. It here, also boom. fits because, I mean, look at the Liger match. Yep. And it's like, cool. these guys are going toe-to-toe, and uh, they've another, been working another callback. hard. Yeah, it's another, it could be another callback. <laughs> or it could have just been what needed to be done at the moment. Yeah. So I ask you gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of the J-Crown tournament? Can you have more fun watching two hours of wrestling in a language you don't understand? No. This uh, is my favorite Japan show that nice. we've watched. That's awesome. Really? I'm glad yes. to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. It is like more singular in style, but it builds. Like everybody's got their own thing, but their thing gets peppered through the show. It could be that it's because I recognize more of the people on it because I've watched more Japan shows so yeah. I wasn't sitting there going who the hell is this who the hell is that have I seen him before you know a couple of them yeah I had to do that because yeah Grand Hamada was the one where yeah. I was like who the fuck is Grand Hamada Grand Hamada is the only one that we had never seen before and he's the only one where I was like who is Grand yeah. Hamada yeah and then the one that I can't remember his name who did it yeah he looked yeah, he, familiar, and the name sounded familiar, yeah. but I couldn't remember if I had for sure seen him or not. He had some fun stuff on second stage, but he, first he didn't stage. first stage, but he didn't get and far. His, in the and tournament. his match was—he was a first rounder. Yeah. It was the match that like no one cared about. Yeah, like he—he he was interesting, but he didn't make it deep into the yeah. show, at least on the matches that we had anyway. But I mean, this is a must-watch show. My only complaint is that I wish. It, the video quality was a little better. Yeah. But there is a very watchable, like, two-hour, like, official tape that, you know, the quality's not so bad that it's impossible yeah. to watch. I would just like to see it nice and clear. Yeah. I mean, it'd be nice to see it all nice and clear, but it's <laughs> it also... Be about as nice and clear as you're going to get so... from a 96 yeah. Japanese television broadcast. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, like... It's so know. good of a show that you eventually... At least for me, anyways, I just kind of stopped noticing that it wasn't crystal clear because my eyes couldn't stop looking everywhere going, what the hell is going to happen next? Yeah, and there's so many things where, like, these guys spend so much time and sell their, like, mat holds that, like, we can't really talk about it. It's like, oh, they're trading holds on the mat. But they do it extremely compellingly. Everybody Mm -hmm. does it throughout, and it adds up. To all the things yeah. that happen, to the selling of the lambs, and you know, the things that they focus on. These guys could probably get me to enjoy a test of strength, even. But yeah, but they don't even. They, the <laughs> thing is that these guys use a test of strength as a tease to yeah. kick somebody. As a in the transition gut. into another move. Yeah. yeah. Test of strength is you know, Otani getting knocked down and running right back up yeah. to the turnbuckle again, getting knocked back down, yeah. running right back up. It again. makes no sense for these guys to do a bear <laughs> hug. Yeah. So, I think I'm probably right in the middle, because uh, I, I don't think this is as good as the Super J-Cups, but okay. I still do think it's a tremendous show, um, and it 
the best thing about it is it brings light to all of these fantastic belts that are out in the world at this time. Like, yeah. Like, it, just be able to have this awesome, like, unification. Like, I mean, it's a unification of it, but it just basically brings more notice to all of it. raises, yeah, to, it raises all, everybody's tide. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, it's one, I, it might be reason seat bias, but I think that in this show, they do the tournament style callbacks maybe more more often or more tastefully than they did in the uh, previous J Cups, which is really exciting. There's also less people involved. I mean, there's only eight people in this one. Yeah. There's usually... I remember how many there was. I think yeah. there might have been ten because I think second stage, a couple people got first round buys. Yeah, but I find this more satisfying in a certain way because we see every match like in full, and sometimes we're like, "Oh, I wish we would have seen that. I wish we would have saw that." And this almost yeah, I think feels... we've gotten lucky with the Super J Cups and yeah. gotten to see most of most of the matches. Yeah, but this is like, oh, we saw every match, and it almost feels like it happened in one night, even though we know it didn't. Yeah. But it kind of, you know, we always talk about, or at least maybe I always talk about, I love a one-night tournament. It's yeah. so good. But, like, you can't expect that out of these guys. But this tape kind of feels like a one-night tournament. Yes. Because the crowd is essentially the same crowd. They are still living and breathing yeah. on all the spots that they're supposed to, you know, that the, 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 these guys are setting up to fucking ramp the crowd up. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smark it up. <laughs> so, what are some of the best moments of this show? That Liger and Dragon match. Uh, I love that you love that match. So I much. love it. It's, I do. I yeah. I'm like, so happy I, you like it so much. There, there's part of me that wants to put it on a list because I love it that much. It's nice when a match is like, <laughs> oh, it's so good, but it's surprising, and that's part of the excitement. It's yeah. like somebody was willing to just like take the pin in hindsight, but you're like, oh, it really felt like it could have been anybody. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, just their, the two of them blended so well together in that short time frame that I loved it, but then at the same time, it made me like a little sad that I you didn't get a couple more minutes. Match. Yeah. Well, no, it, it wasn't even that it was yeah. only one Liger match. It was just I wanted more of that match. I wanted it to be more than yeah. the three or four minutes that, if it was even that, I don't even remember. But it, it, it seemed like it went really quickly, and I wanted it to be about as long as the final. Yeah, it adds the realism. It's like, these guys are going, but it's like, can they really keep that up for yeah, that long? Yeah, that's, that's but, the hard part there. Yeah. There's so many. All, I mean, all yeah, I'm just like, yeah. just like, like, which one? What? Where? Yeah, all what? of all of the all of the goddamn yeah yeah all of the the callbacks because for me like I noticed them but I watched this all in one evening but for the crowd to notice them and like feed off of them and this is over a couple nights but it's like I said probably a lot of the same people and it's ten thousand people but they like are popping when they see a move into a pin or somebody go for a thing and that maybe that was 
something that that guy wasn't privy to unless he watched the match, but the crowd was. And them being able to understand and respect that this guy is like actually a master of his craft that like cares and it adds weight to the fact that there's all these titles and it adds weight to these titles that are being unified because not everybody knows what these things are. Yeah. I mean, to kind of build on a point that you, because like Ultimo does probably the most of like continuing like the, a storyline between, because yeah. he literally does the Law Magistral gets Liger and beats him in, you know, the short amount. So literally in the other two matches that he has, he literally does the Law Magistral super early in the match to be yeah. like, well, I beat Liger yeah. this yeah. quickly with this move. So. Yeah, and everybody understands that. And so, like, yeah, perfect little storytelling beat that he does there. Which is probably why him and Otani is my favorite match of the night. Yeah. I'd say Otani's little shame, shame, shame finger, finger, finger point, wag. whatever. Yeah. The way he's like, he saw it coming and he pulled his arm back and, like, yeah. And it also probably helps that we're fairly, as far as these guys go, we're more familiar with. Otani mm-hmm. than most of the other guys, but I love him, and I think that, like, as far as full, you know, without the one flash pin match, I think that that was the most enjoyable match for its length. Not that I didn't like all the matches, I liked all the matches, but I think that one was pound for pound. I will tell you right now that Otani Ultimo is my favorite match of the show okay. as well. Pound for pound, man. And it's Definitely on the short list. Yeah. I mean, most of this show could, like, if we shortlisted shows, it'd be like, hey, there's no way you're going to have a bad time. I mean, this this." is definitely probably the best (laughs) show we've watched in 96. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because there's shows where, like, oh, it's really fun. They did a really smart thing. Because, to be honest, like, the Great Sasaki Samurai match, I fucking love that match, too. I do. I'm just like, like, like literally unless if Ultimo and Otani like take their matches away Samurai is my guy on this on this show yeah like even though he loses to Grace Hazaki his performance in that match I would like I know El Samurai is good because we've yeah. seen him do mm-hmm. it in multiple other things and I was just continuously blown away by how good he was like I will he, say when he when yeah. he literally he floated over on a suplex and nailed a reverse DDT and then a power bomb. I was like, on the, I was like, oh, we're we're, we're doing, doing this. Yeah. we're doing this. And he's a and then Sasaki kicks out, and I was just like, <laughs> oh. I will say that, like, Sasas- uh, Great Sasuke would not be the guy that I would have picked to win. No, he's great. He's obviously great, but I don't think he's Otani or Ultimo great. I think the only reason he was the champion is because he was already the IWGP champion. Yeah, but like so that way, the, I didn't think about that. So part. that way, the J Crown yes. was in New Japan. New Japan because they were the biggest for the promotion time, at the for the time. time being. Yeah, it's like well, was, somebody can beat him later, but like, like yeah, I mean, he he belts. can still go to the other promotions and have matches. Yeah, but most likely, he's going to when that title gets dropped yeah. at some point it's probably going to be at a new japan show i guess i'll say my biggest disappointment is that he won the tournament but i don't think that he was bad <laughs> or that like he was incapable of winning the tournament he's just not 
Otani or Ultimo, Ultimo. Dragon. Or Liger. Or Liger, but we Liger we knew wasn't going to win. Yeah. It, obviously early on. But like Otani or Ultimo could have yeah. won. Samurai and Sasuke are kind of more on the same. Like They're a little bit more rowdy guys. They got a little bit more like Sabu energy in them. Granted, they're definitely more technical and intelligent in the ring than Sabu is. But they got that wild card. Uh, whereas Otani and Ultimo are like I think smooth those, but vigorous. Some of those ring or those girls with the belts, you know, <laughs> that they were holding are a little more technical. And... <laughs> than Sabu. <laughs> than Sabu. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Sabu is probably not the greatest. <laughs> yeah, maybe Rob Van Dam, who's also probably better than Sabu. We just love Sabu because he's Sabu. Yeah. How about most disappointing? Oh, one Liger match. But it was a great one. It was. Like, it's it's a weird thing because it's like, I'm not mad about it. I just want more Liger all the I time. I mean, whenever That's it's... Liger being Whenever Liger, it literally though. was yeah, Ultimo. That's why we love him. So it's like hard to call it a disappointment. When yeah. it's Ultimo versus Liger, literally the first round, it's like, we have to lose one of these guys in the first round? Yeah. Like, God, that sucks. And at least they did it intelligently because these guys could have smash-banged each other to death. Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, you know, I'll just bow out and give you the big win. I mean, the obvious disappointing is Sasuke missing the the senton and then thunking his head on the yeah. fucking floor. I mean, Ultimo... Because I, I, do, I do think you are correct. I think it probably would have gone, like, four or five more minutes. And they probably were like, let's go ahead and end this now. Yeah. It's, it it well, still wasn't a... Like, because of the way that the show had gone and like the pins had progressed throughout the show it didn't feel like you got ripped off <laughs> but in hindsight knowing about the head smash and seeing the replay and even seeing dragon try to save him yeah like, I, uh, you know that could be it but maybe that was the finish i don't really have disappointments from the show no it's, it's awesome yeah it's so good and there's no like no crap no, like, this guy got kicked out of the ring or counted out. Like, this is not... Uh, no bullshit a, interference. This isn't Memphis wrestling. This isn't, you know... Because I was worried with... This isn't with, WWF wrestling. This isn't NWA wrestling. With Tiger Mask at the end there, since we hadn't had any anybody with anybody while they were yeah. wrestling, I thought, you know, please don't do something stupid like interference or something yeah. like that because... I don't really know Sasuke's character all that well, so yeah. I don't know if he's good I, guy, bad guy, whatever. I didn't see Tiger Mask, and I was like, okay, well, this is the first time someone really has a second at all. But the, yeah. yeah. I don't know, I mean, I'm sure that there was some, like, heel interference in Japanese wrestling back in the day, but it seems like most of the time when I go back and watch stuff, it's not really... It's more of a thing now than it was yeah. in any of the older stuff that I've seen. Yeah, everything in... So much is based on respect for your opponent Yeah, in Japan, or just in general in Japan, it's based on respect, that really until... I mean, I think we're about to get into more American-style booking. Ch- Chono. Because Chono becomes like a huge part because NWO... Japan becomes a thing, and so... Yeah, he's like a Yakuza boss. Yeah. You know, vibe. So, you know, it's... 
So, like, I don't think there was a whole lot of that going on. Yeah, or, like, you know, in the last, like, even in modern New Japan, it's like you've had your Bullet Club or, you know, uh, uh, Gato with Okada early on. I mean, people run in, but it usually doesn't, like... Actually... Actually, there's no disqualifications. No, no. So it like just just basically lengthens the match by a couple minutes because they have to deal with the people that are running in, and then they get back to the actual match. Yeah, basically. it's not a belt to the back of the head and a pin. It's yeah. like normally like a schmoz, and then it gives a shadow of a doubt kind of thing. Yeah, as opposed to like a definitive. It doesn't definitively mean the guy was better than the other guy. It's kind of yeah. like gives him a chance to fight back. But here. Everything was, uh, you know, clean as hell. Chef's kiss. Best performer of the night. Dragon. Yeah, I mean, I mean Dragon's my guy, but Dragon of the he's, he's, he's fantastic. He's in two of the two of his matches are the best like, two matches. Two two of the better matches on the show. So yeah, it's like I love Otani, but uh, this is. Even though Dragon didn't win, this is the Dragon Showcase. Yes. Yeah. Like he's he comes out, belt or not, as like the guy of the tournament. Yeah, definitely. And most surprising that Dragon did not win because I felt like the he only the first picture of anybody holding all those belts yeah. was Dragon. That, uh, that's the first one that I saw. So it was once. Once he was, I saw he was in the final, and I realized that this was a show right, where this I didn't happened. Think that. It was like, okay, yeah, this is easy. Dragon's winning. But that picture nope. is taken later, after he has a different, uh, another belt as yeah. well. Well, he that's what a, I was thinking too, a, because he, he had has nine belts point. when he came yeah. into WCW. I think. So when did he win? Did he win those belts from? Because this is the only J Crown, right? It's the only great J, J Crown tournament, oh. but. They actually defend it over the course of the next couple of years. Before. Without making a new belt, they just hand over all eight belts. Yeah. yeah. Hilarious. Very funny stuff. Yeah. I mean, they're just Roman Reigns again. 900 days carrying two belts. Yeah. They're uh, Matt cardona it. Just let Roman win the, <laughs> the tag belts next. Well, uh, no. No, no, don't. no. Don't do that. I was gonna say that'd be you know an additional four belts that he'd be carrying. Yeah, that also means that like you know Sammy and <laughs> yeah, I don't want Sammy and Kevin to lose to anything. lose it to one guy. We can't have that. We'll save that for skim the twenty four seven title, Ugh. the women's championship, just so Charlotte can win it again for mm-hmm. another time. Mm-hmm. You know, she's gonna be. She should totally be the one that takes it off of Roman. <laughs> Jesus Christ! She's gonna be the one that breaks that sixteenth. Oh yeah, she totally win is. and. Be the winningest champion in all of WWE. Yeah, even you're talking about sixteen. Dad. Like, yeah, her dad, but he didn't get all those belts from the WWE. No, he got like a one and a half of them from them. <laughs> Making their way to the ring. It's trivia time. Uh, what we got next? So this week the category is TikTok. So five points for whoever is closest. You can go over. It's just whoever's closest. Okay. So I'm gonna give you a match. You're gonna tell me how long that match was. Ooh, I like this one. So the match is from ECW Hardcore TV. Oh shit. 
November 2nd, 1993. And the match is Bad Breed of Axel and Ian Rotten versus Chad Austin and Todd Shaw. Damn. Give you an easy one this week. Hmm. It's what the randomizer came up with. Sorry. Chad Austin and who? Todd Shaw. Todd Todd Shaw. Shaw. Austin and Shaw. Not even Todd Champion. No. Or Firebreaker Chip. Todd Shaw. Chad Austin. I feel like my number. I remember him. I want to say he had a. He was known for having a cool jacket on one match and then. And that was it. Short trunks and a cool jacket. <laughs> yeah, I think this it's is a, a toughie. I put a number in. I feel like it might be high, but I got it locked in. So I'm good when you are, Shane. We'll just say... Closest. It's not over or under. It's Ready? To, yep. Michael goes with 6 minutes, 25 seconds. That's way too long. Shane goes with 1 minute and 11 seconds. Oh, hilarious. 6.25. One one eleven. Do I need to do math for you? Nope. Okay. Michael is closer <sighs> as the time was four minutes uh, and seventeen seconds. I felt like it was too long, and then I was like, Shane could have got it because it could have been three minutes long. Uh, it's all right. I needed the points, buddy. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I had to do quick math in my head. There, I was like <laughs> one. I was like, that's three. That's at least three. Yeah. yeah. And I was like. Mm. That's that's only two. That's only two. So. <laughs> I typically win with luck, where you know, yeah, you've got a, a photographic memory. It's tied to you. Next week, we're gonna stay in Japan. Ooh, and we're gonna watch that. the other half of all these ah, cards. G- G- the G one climax. That's awesome. That's exciting. Hmm. Sure, I'm gonna have to think of something other than sushi now. Booze. I mean, I mean <laughs> there's I mean, tons yeah. of things. Ramen's difficult, but, you know, there's like, uh, who knows, Yeah, barbecued eel. Need that damn Japanese sandwich place to roll back through town again for a week and actually uh. let me know when they're coming. <laughs> but the music from this week's show is The Score by Emerson, Lake, and Powell. And Great Suzaki <laughs> won our main event. So we play his theme music, Integral Hard. By the Naito Shibata Project. Naito Shibata Project? Yeah. Very funny. Mm. How many names do they have over there? Naito Shibata. (laughs) But yeah. If you like this show or any of our other ones, go out there, rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify. Mm -hmm. Spotify. And keep reminding everybody about that Spotify for a few more weeks. Absolutely. And or wherever you find your podcast at, if it's not one of those places. Because like, I find mine on a app called Overcast. There's Pocket Cast. Oh, yeah. There's, there's quite a few. Some people just put it on YouTube. But exactly. We're, we're not on YouTube. We shouldn't be. YouTube is mostly for LA Comics to do video podcasts, I think. No one wants to... This, this is a. These are faces for radio, guys. Well, we have... Hey! We're not... I'm talking more about myself. Do <laughs> you have any questions, comments, concerns? Recipes, drink ideas. We're uh, going back to Japan. If you know something that, uh, know of something, I should say, that you would recommend, let us know. Slide into our DMs. Hit us up on Twitter. The um, Japanese slipper. I think that's a cocktail. Okay. I'll have to look into that one. Some Suntory whiskey. But yeah, talk to us. Send us a message, something. Tell a friend about this podcast, too. Don't 
don't just hog it all for yourself. We we sit here as friends and talk about wrestling together, and you should do the same. So tell your friends what you're listening to yeah. and uh, listen together. It's hard to find friends that actually like wrestling and aren't obnoxious. Mm-hmm. So, you know, do your best. Mm-hmm. We might be able to help. Bring food. Bring booze. Either feed or drink the insanity. You can always email us at WrestlingHistoryX at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at WrestlingHistoX. That's Wrestling H-I-S-T-O-X. We'll talk to you next week. Later.